0: the red pill you stay in wonderland and i show you how deep the rabbit hole goes welcome to life in everybody welcome to life in red uh very pleased to be joined today by my guest um sabrina lemay right i'm always right. i'm supposed to always ask that before so i don't screw it up um, and I didn't ask this time, and now I just asked it on mic, so and go you me. you did a
1: perfect job. Yes.
0: Um, you are the person who I credit to kind of kick-starting the, the launch of my speaking uh, for mental health. So that's a really cool connection between us. Um, so I don't know if I've ever had the chance to say thank you for that, but thank you.
1: Well, no problem, because that's all about the community, right? Yeah, absolutely. Getting everyone involved.
0: Um, so you are obviously another mental uh, health speaker. Um, we both speak at the Royal um, for the Is It Just Me program, which is funded through uh, Do It For Darren. Um, How did you kind of get involved in that? Because uh, did you have someone like yourself, what you did for me, like, hey, you'd be a great person for this? <laughs> well,
1: um, I guess it was like almost 15 years in the making for me, so um, I have quite a story, my own mental health story, and something that's always driven me. um, I always said, you know, what's gotten me through everything is I want to help people. I want to help people, and so many of the most amazing mentors in my life were always like, Sabrina, you got to work on yourself before you can help other people like take care of you. And so when I finally felt I was at a place that I was ready and um, actually getting some therapy through the Royal, which had been incredibly helpful. I was reaching out and um, I was introduced to Sue who mm-hmm. you met. Mm-hmm. and Sue was like, yeah, there's um, these speaking opportunities. And I was like, amazing first I was like so nervous like the first time I don't know about you the first time were you a bit nervous
0: yeah I can keep my my hands from shaking yeah
1: so the first time was so different and now like it's evolved so much mm-hmm. and so um, yeah it's super amazing
0: it's different it's so different that you know I could share my story with whoever one-on-one no problem I can talk about it all day on social media but sharing that story in front of a room um, especially a room of teens It's uh, I don't know what the right word is because it's not scary. I guess you can kind of see the like a little intimidating, intimidate. Like there is, it's there's there could be a lot riding on things you say because these are impressionable young people that you know are could be going through what's the start of their mental illness journey um, or their story. Uh, They might be going through something, and you know you don't know you don't want to say the wrong thing. And so that's one of the things that that struck me about it, for sure.
1: Yeah, and I mean, like there was a time in my life where I was like, you know, I don't know if I'm going to do any more speaking. Maybe I need to take a break from it. Um, And then right after one of these speaking engagements, I had a young girl come up to me and say, oh my God, I thought I was going crazy. I didn't know what was wrong with me. She was crying and she said, your story resonated with me. I feel okay. <laughs> and, and I was like, well, I'm not going to stop speaking because that was like a sign for me to just keep going. So yeah, like you said, they're so impressionable at that, at that age. It's yeah. so important, right?
0: Yeah. Uh, I Because I always say in part of my speech is that it's not necessarily I didn't want to tell anybody what was going on. Um, I, like, I didn't really know or understand or recognize that what I was feeling or thinking was actually something more like depression or anxiety. Like you're just like, no one talked about it even when I was doing, like going through it like 10, 12 years ago. Um, so for now, for, for youth to have this opportunity to, to hear people talk and share their story in a very real kind of non clinical technical way where you're just like, yeah, like. I did some dumb shit and this is what I thought and these are my feelings and people are like, oh shit, yeah, yeah, I totally do. I think that way too. This is, it's just, it's it's such a, a, a great thing. Yeah, it's
1: groundbreaking. Yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. And it's it's interesting that you said that you did it because um, you wanted to help other people. And it's it's such a interesting thing that everyone I talk to who kind of is on the advocacy side of mental health, they all kind of say the same thing that like, they all suffer but knowing that they like they feel like helping other people will make them feel better and give their lives meaning and that's kind of why they get into it because they want to help other people and i've just found that right across the board which is very interesting
1: yeah it's really great to to have that feeling i mean i i certainly feel like it's my purpose in life so yeah
0: yeah i think it's we kind of have empathy towards other people because we just we know how it's like at the bottom of the barrel type feeling and you're my thing is always like i don't want anyone else to feel this way so i'm just gonna try to prop other people up
1: absolutely and, and the more we get speak thing. out
0: yeah so you mentioned right off the top that you have quite the mental um health story um w- why don't we start kind of at the beginning when did it all kind of do you first remember some of the things starting for you
1: yeah, so I can actually tell a bit of a fun story to start. A fun mental story. Only fun <laughs> because, I mean, if you were in Ottawa and went to Blues Fest this year, um, you know that the Backstreet Boys were there.
0: Oh, yes.
1: So I was 10 years old when I went to my first Backstreet Boy concert, and I was so excited. And I'm sitting at the, what was once called the Corral Center. mm mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm and i had my first panic attack and i couldn't watch the concert um i didn't know what it was Mm -hmm. my mom's like you know springy you're just probably really excited and i'm like oh my god i don't think i'm excited and my heart was racing and everything just started getting really blurry and i had to be taken out of the um you know the hall where they were doing the concert the concert hall and um i never actually got to see them Mm -hmm. So I was no. like peeking in and out sometimes because my dad had been waiting with his friend, and lo and behold, um, from there on out, after 10 years old, I had constant anxiety attacks and panic attacks. So, mm. um, but I did get to see the Backstreet Boys this year. You did that's see why them I this said year. it okay. was like a fun story because okay. it was like this whole. I was with my cousin at the time when I was 10 years old, and her, her and I went this time as well. So oh, it was like just this moment, you ending. know? Yeah. Um,
0: I know when I first experienced my panic attack, so and like a little different from you is I've never experienced it in public. Mine have always been like just these random times. Like I'm either trying to get ready for bed or like I'm alone doing something. Um, what did yours like with my, I, the way I described it is I, I try to take a big deep breath, but I can't, I can't get that relieving sensation in my, in my stomach. Like, you know, when you take a nice deep breath, you're like, ah, I I can't do that and then I start freaking out more that I can't do that I'm like oh my god am I dying I actually just had my first panic attack in six years since I started medication on Tuesday which is yesterday as we record this Monday Monday
1: yeah so like my anxiety and panic have changed their face many Mm. times Um, so when it first started out it's so funny because now I, I talk on stage and I give be in front of thousands of people and it doesn't bother me at all in different events. Um, but I could not go into a crowd. So if it was Canada day, it was like just this tremendous panic. So yeah, out of breath, anxiety, mm-hmm. everything's moving too quickly, even if things are just at a normal speed, you know? Um, but I've certainly experienced what you're talking about as well, where you're like completely fine. You're like, I'm doing fine. I'm reading a book. And then all of a sudden my heart would race and mm-hmm. everything's Kind of going crazy. So yeah. was there
0: something that you think like triggered it that came on? Um, like for me, it was all like a lot of them were like I was like young and I would always be like, oh, one day I have to die. And like I couldn't get over that feeling. That's where my panic attack would come in. Um, like was there a certain thing like you're in a crowd you're like, oh, what if this happened And then you started getting a panic attack or it was just very like
1: very random like it just happened like I th- and that's I think the hardest part was I didn't really understand. and mm-hmm. I mean, lucky for me is my my parents both have anxiety, so they knew what it was immediately, so they were like, you have anxiety. And so I was like, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and then as I got older, it kind of and my story went a little bit further. Mm-hmm. It started to shape itself differently, um, but I do remember missing school even sometimes when I was younger because I'd be up all night with an anxiety attack. So,
0: wow, okay. Um, fast forward a bit. What started to happen after that? So you had anxiety, you'd get panic attacks. How did you know? That's even pretty young for I think. I, I mean, I'm not the scientist or anything, but from what I've heard, that's pretty young for to experience that type of you know, you know mental health, health issue, a, disorder, you know, what? Uh, keep taking us through, like, your step-by-step as we're going through, you know, 12, 14, 16, as things start to really, you know...
1: Yeah, and I mean, like, I find mental health, there's really no age limit mm. at this point, um, and they kind of come out at all ages, and, and sometimes I think for me, I was lucky, like I said, because my parents had anxiety where some children don't even know how to actually explain that. So they often go undiagnosed for quite some time because or and even act Mm, out in different ways to deal with themselves. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So it's funny because it it kind of like became second nature to me. I'd go for walks to get over this. Um, My parents would take me for long walks, my dad in particular, um, and stay up all night with me. And uh, it kind of got better as I got older. And then at 16, life kind of changed for me. Um, my family had lost about six close family members in a span of five years. So like aunts, uncles, grandparents. Like, So as soon as you were mourning one person, another. And then you'd be getting over that and then another. And, and it was direct impact, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then my grandmother passed away. And at that time, my boyfriend broke up with me at, th- at, th- at that time mm. the very same day. And it was hard for me because it was my first love. And we know in high school, your first love is everything. Um, But it was very, very impactful for me. And at the same time, I felt like I kind of lost my mom a little bit too. Because, you know, when all these deaths are happening, um, it's really hard. And and as a child, I didn't, well, as a child, as a teen, I guess, I didn't understand depression. To be Mm -hmm. honest, when you're in it or you start to fall in it, I don't think... You know, Mm -hmm. you kind of are going through the motions. And that's why it's so great, right, that we're talking about it nowadays um, so that people can recognize it before they fall down that rabbit hole. Um, And so as everyone was kind of passing away and my family was changing, um, I just started noticing things differently. And I I guess I felt a little bit jaded, (laughs) if that makes sense. Um, And then I was having stomach problems. So lots of stomach problems. And I would go to work and I started experiencing IBS, so irritable bowel syndrome. And that was really hard because I was no longer in control of my body and the way it was reacting. And I would try and eat and my stomach would be in excruciating pain and I would be hunched over. And I mean so much pain that I would be brought to emergency and they would send me home. Um, I would go to the family doctor and he said, you know, I think you have allergies. You should play the elimination diet. Well, at this point I'm about 17, 18 and the elimination diet. Well, anything that upsets my stomach, I would stop eating because I'm 17, 18. I want to mm-hmm. go out and have fun with my friends. Mm-hmm. Um, I had gotten a new boyfriend at the time. Like I was just trying to move on with my life um, until I eliminated everything. And I went from 112 pounds to 69 pounds at oh 19 years old. gosh. And there was a lot of judgment there. Um, and again, I didn't even notice it until, and and I I remember a specific moment, like I was in the mirror, I put on these pants that I loved and they no longer fit. And only then did I really go, oh my God, what happened? And my family was going through a lot as well, so they didn't necessarily see it all happen either. It was kind of like you were there and then you weren't. Mm -hmm. And um, that was really, really hard and I didn't know what was happening. So I thought, am I dying? Like what's going on? My stomach hurts. Um, and never once did my family doctor say, Hey, what's going on in your life? And I don't play the blame game, right? So i I take a hundred, 100% responsibility for my life. But I think if I had been asked that back then I could have really saw it as a lot of depression mm-hmm. and these stomach issues relating to the depression and stress I was feeling with, you know, financial issues in my family, all the deaths happening, the breakups, um, trying to become a woman from a a teen to a woman, young adult. um, Because all of a sudden, like I said, the irritable bowel syndrome is very much linked to stress and anxiety. Hmm. Um,
0: That's one of the... I've had a few conversations with this, both on this podcast and off of it. But I hear far too many stories of women, especially women, and their issues kind of being dismissed or not taken seriously uh when it comes to health issues, um you know, like whether it's chronic pain or or something like this that I know you you're saying you didn't play the blame game, but I, I just I've heard so many stories of that from so many different people that yeah, they just they've went to a doctor and they were trying to deal with something that they they were experiencing and like we're almost just like oh yeah it's probably this just take some Advil or like, and yeah. you, you would go back or you go to the you know emergency room and they're just like oh yeah you're you're fine we don't see anything sorry but like you know it just that that scares me and I I don't know what that's like as, as a as a man but I just have it's scary how many stories I've heard of that
1: yeah and I mean I think we're so lucky today right because now stress is really being recognized in the body and how mm-hmm. how it Effects, right? I feel like a lot more doctors are starting to understand that at least more than they did back then. Yeah. Because um, I remember many trips to emergency and excruciating pain and um, being sent home and, and the doctor saying, you know, she's at an eating disorder age in her life. And, you know, it, it uh, was kind of like, okay, you know, well, <laughs> help. Oh my, yeah. I'm here. Yeah, I'm yeah, here. Yeah, I'm yeah, like, yeah. Help me. Wow. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that was a really hard and scary time in my life. So, my hair was brittle and dry. I, I shut down entirely. I, I remember keeping my boyfriend up at night and saying like, watch me, I'm afraid to sleep at night. I'm, I'm like so afraid to sleep, what if my heart stops? Um, everyone was like, well, why didn't you just eat? Why couldn't you eat? Well, you gotta understand. So when you are 112 pounds and go down to 69 pounds, that is an eating disorder, that is disordered eating. Um, and, and I hate to put a label on it because I'm all about being label free and these are mm-hmm. things we've gone through and, and not, who we are or what we are. But your brain starts developing different traits. And there's actually a very cool study that they did with some soldiers in the military that came back where they deprived them of food and watched their reactions and how they were once that food was deprived. So they started counting calories, being obsessed with food and recipes. And so all of a sudden at this weight i'm becoming obsessive about food i'm reading ingredients i never cared about any of this before my your brain just because it wants that nourishment so Mm. badly um so yeah i was always so cold um i was hiding under baggy clothes all the time i was very isolated um it it was it was a very very scary time later on i was diagnosed with osteoporosis um, and I was flat out told um, that my bones were like a ninety two year old, um, which was really scary to hear at, at a young age. was
0: that were the two linked? like did were you, did you get that because of the disorder?
1: Um, I would think so mm. because what also correlates is I also lost my menstrual cycle. And when you lose your menstrual cycle, your body starts trying to take estrogen as a woman from your bones. Oh. And so not only was I not nourishing properly, but my body was trying to, you know, keep itself alive. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm happy to say now that I've rebuilt most of my bone mass, which is amazing, and I'm very, very grateful for that. Um, But it was quite the journey. So um, me and my boyfriend had split up, and I just started working on myself. I didn't go into a facility, not that there's anything wrong with that, because I believe that sometimes that is required. Mm -hmm. Um, But I just started forcing myself to eat no matter how much pain I would be in. Um, later on, I was diagnosed with, uh, celiac and mm. lactose intolerant. Um, but a lot of that was because I de- deprived myself for so long. So your body starts creating autoimmune disorders. Um, so my diets changed significantly from when I just started, started to try and yeah. gain weight. I was like, just eat whatever. Um, but building that love and that healthy relationship with food took a very, very long time. And I think it's like a working progress because mm-hmm. we all um outlet our outlet our stress in different areas you know yeah
0: absolutely it's uh and like it it kind of never goes away right like you're kind of always trying to update and and learn new things about it how to take care of yourself that it's it's not necessarily just the okay all fixed up now exactly It's, it's hard um what were some of the like resources you know what kind of like that you were using to Try to fix yourself. Um, I don't know what the time frame was of that. Was that like was it reading a lot of books? Was it talking to professionals? Was it a combination? Like I don't know. I didn't. I don't think there was. YouTube wasn't as big in the no. mid two thousands. You know what I mean? Um, so
1: it was really a friend of the family that helped me out a lot. Um, my parents were there for me, but it, it was hard for them to be there because they're so close. Mm -hmm. So I think that there was like a form of anger as well because they just wanted to see me better, right? Mm -hmm. And not even anger, but frustration with the situation. Um, So they were very much there, but it was a challenge for them. Um, Definitely a lot of reading. I'm all into self-help books, so a lot of reading. Um, But then there was a time where I kind of backslid again, so I got better. And then I kind of backslid again. I got stressed. I was working in an environment that wasn't healthy. My boss used to um, say things to me like, go eat a steak, do you have an eating disorder or something? Um, because I was quite thin mm-hmm. and and that was a real challenge to have to work in an environment like that. Um, I guess that was when things really started to change for me because I basically walked out of my job. And, um, Because I had decided to, I was going to get some help. I was going to finally get some help because I was very fearful of food. Mm -hmm. Um, So I was also later on diagnosed with something called Puro OCD, which I can get into, but... I patterned my food and I was, I had these very safe foods because now that I was eating, I didn't want to feel sick. I didn't want my stomach to get upset. I didn't fully understand celiac. Thank God everybody else knows about gluten now because there's so many restaurants that accommodate. Um, but when I'd be in the workplace, no, I didn't really eat lunch. I would, I would hide what I would be eating or I would, would like eat something separately or go home and eat. So my boss was saying all these things. And one day I just walked out and Took a leave of absence and started really focusing on myself and getting the help I needed. And I had amazing, amazing mentors that I think really changed my entire life. And without them, I I don't know where I would be.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, before we get into that pure OCD, I know there's a time you said that you were like living out of your car. Um,
1: yeah. Um, so... <laughs> My family had gone through some pretty crazy financial issues and we had gotten evicted from our home and I was in denial. Um, so the whole house was packed up and and I kept my bedroom totally intact and then the moving truck pulled up and there I was packing my, my bedroom. And I didn't have a car at the time. So we also, we also lost our family vehicle at the time. So I went and got a vehicle. And my parents were in a moving truck, moving around and trying to find a place to live. My brother was with his girlfriend and I lived in my car. I was working three jobs um, to pay for my vehicle. And I mean, people go, how'd you get through that? And I'm like, I don't know. Like, I think that there's something deep inside of myself. Like I, I said, and I wanted to help people mm-hmm. and I knew that. You know, one day I'm going to be able to help people. And, and I'm not joking because like I didn't love myself enough to do it for me. It was just kind of survival and you have to get through. And mm-hmm. I certainly couch surfed sometimes, but I had more nights in my car than I did couch surf. And my parents hate to hear this story because it breaks their heart. They're, they're very sorry to this day that that had to happen. Um, but life happens, Yeah. right? Things happen. And um, it was a time in my life, a season and it's made me a much stronger person and also just valuing other people way more too because mm-hmm. I was serving at a restaurant and when, I don't know about you, but when you're at a restaurant, you're just enjoying your time eating your meal. You never think of your server as homeless or, mm-hmm. or going to live in their car. And so when people have bad days or, or whatever, I'm, it, it has made me so much more humble as a person to, to look at them and go, oh, well, you know, you don't know their story, you know? So it's one of
0: the biggest things I've found is especially through this podcast, through, you know, the, the speaking, through working full-time career is is, that's the biggest thing is like, even the guy who's flipping like me off the person who's angry on Facebook commenting, like I, I have to reserve some right being like, I don't know what they're going through. So I, I have to be understanding. I don't have to accept it. But I also have to be very understanding of what it is because it could be something horrible and this is their outlet, right? It's like yes. a child bully, right? Like that they, typically they're being bullied at home and they're just putting it out on somebody exactly. else. Exactly. And
1: often it's not even about you, right? It really is about them. So
0: Exactly. So it's it's one of the biggest things. But um, going back to the, how long did you, was it a couple months? Was it a couple weeks?
1: I think it was five or six months. Wow. A lot of it's a blur yeah. now because it was quite it was like full summer that's for sure
0: day-to-day survival mode just yeah and through. I remember
1: having my first shower and I was like oh my god <laughs> like it felt so good it you know
0: make puts things into perspective for for me and I hope for people listening that I mean you hear it all the time with you know um with the world like you should be lucky you have that because not everyone does and it's so easy to get lost like you get a a rough email or you get in trouble at work or you, you get in a little squabble with your girlfriend or your phone breaks. And just like, it seems like the end of the world, but like just hearing the stories of people like yourself who, who have really kind of had to find their way with more than just an inconvenience that like, I just, that's why I love hearing these stories, even though as as much as it might be difficult and, and, and stuff like that, that it puts those things in perspective that, yeah, I might break my phone, but you had to live in your car for six months and work three jobs. Like I, I work, most people work like six to eight hours and be like, oh, my life. I hate it. Right. Like, and
1: yeah, and I think it's it, removing that stigma too. Right. I mean, I never had to sleep on the street, but even when I'm walking around and I see the homeless people on the street, um, the youth, the adults, whomever, a lot of the times people assume why they're there. Mm-hmm. Right. Drug, and sometimes, yeah, yeah. And, and we have no idea what their story is, you know? And like I said, just cause I didn't look like I was sleeping in my car, but I was, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So really we shouldn't judge how someone's got there, how it happened. Cause it can happen to anybody.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's funny that I, I, a lot of the time, you know, we get into the world today that a lot of people try to avoid struggle. Um, but I, I honestly believe, and, it's, I'm not talking about, like, the struggle that you had to go through, but, like, struggle is also, it's bad, but it's also good. I think it does make us come out stronger on the other end when we make it through. And I think you're a shining example of that. I mean, I think this every point. great
1: life coach in the world has gone through some sort of, like, struggle, right?
0: Absolutely. Like, any successful person, like, we think, like, even, like, the richest people in the world but like, ah, oh, they're just, they're born rich. And you're like, uh oh, no, like, they've, they've, you know, probably slept on a few couches and stuff like that too. And that's just talking about money, but like that you came out that if you didn't say you had a mental like, health issues, you know, people wouldn't ever think that of you. I don't think like you've, al- I've
1: heard that quite a few times. Actually. You've yeah. always struck
0: me as someone who is like uber positive and like, smiling and happy. And uh, your emails like, you know, have a lovely day, like, like that type of stuff. Like you exude positivity. So, and that's one of the hardest things for people who don't have a mental illness, I think to understand.
1: Yeah. And I think that that's, what's gotten me through a lot of it as well. Right. Is that it really is mindset. And, perspective and how we choose to view the world. I mean, I could have said pity me and played out that story forever. And mm-hmm. I've had my fair share of pity trips where I've had people say like, pick yourself up, you know, and I had to dust off my shoulders and move on. But really, it's just keeping positive and knowing that there's so much more to life. This is just a season, mm-hmm. right? And and I think. Yeah. It's, it's really is our perception that we create uh, and the stories we tell ourselves in our heads about what we're going through Mm -hmm. that really, really change things. Mm -hmm.
0: You mentioned Puro OCD. Um, you you talked to me a little bit off mic about it, but like, I've never heard of that and I'm pretty involved with the community. What is that? What is that like for you? How does that impact you? Um, like on a day to day basis?
1: So, most people know what OCD is and in fact nowadays, right? People are like, Oh, I'm so OCD or like whatever, but it really is, um, a very debilitating, um, mental health issue. Um, so I didn't even know I had this and it, and it randomly came about, but anyway, pure OCD is intrusive unwanted thoughts, images and impulses that are far outside of your character. So it basically takes, your biggest fear and tries to manifest it into reality and tricks your brain into believing that it's almost real. And that all kind of took place in my life when I decided to leave my job. And that's why I said things really started to to change Mm -hmm. for me when I left work. Leaving work was hard for me because I'm a very busy body. Anybody who knows me, I'm high energy. I like to keep going. Mm -hmm. Doesn't matter what I'm going through. But when I took time off work, I was at home. And then you're kind of forced to face yourself a little bit and that was um that was tough um so one day I'm in the kitchen and this alarms some people is I'm I'm in the kitchen and I'm cutting up a red pepper and I have this vision that I'm going to stab my boyfriend with a knife and I freak out and I push the knife away and I back away. And, like, when I go to the Royal and I speak to, to the youth, you should see their faces. And I'm usually like, Yeah, I thought I was crazy too. Mm-hmm. Um, no judgment, you know? And, um, but it was really hard. And I'd wake up in the middle of the night and go, Oh my gosh, I do something in my sleep. What's going on? And I openly told my boyfriend at the time. And he's like, You're not going to do that. What are you talking about? Like, what's going on? But then that thought changed into, I'm driving my car and, Oh my God, what if I drive my car off the bridge? I don't want to do it, but what if I do? Oh my God, what if I end my life? Mm -hmm. Then I would go home and all of a sudden, I don't want to have any um, Tylenol bottles in the house. I don't want anything near me. Um, I don't want to be around my boyfriend. It becomes very debilitating. Um, I I was freaking out. I even called the helpline and they couldn't do much for Mm -hmm. me except for say like, well, if you're in danger, go, you know. But it wasn't like that. It was just that I thought I was a danger to everybody else and started hating myself for the types of, thoughts I had, and OCD is, you know, repetitive compulsions. Um, So these thoughts just kept repeating over and over and over. I couldn't go to the gym anymore. I couldn't listen to music. I didn't want to watch the news, so afraid that anything would trigger that thought. Um, And later on, I was diagnosed with pure OCD, and was explained that these are intrusive, unwanted thoughts, and all that stuff. And I, I practiced cognitive behavioral therapy. And that really was life changing for me. Um, I guess on a scientific level, um, the way cognitive behavioral therapy works, are you familiar?
0: Yep. I'm trying it myself now for the first time. Yeah, yeah. And, it,
1: and it's a lot of work. Mm-hmm. Um, But as you know, I'm very much into yoga and consciousness. And the way I see it from like a spiritual perspective is that it really is like going to your consciousness to see that thought and know it's not real and be able to remove yourself from it before you react and, and fall into that panic mode of, oh my God, what if I do mm-hmm. this? What if I... Because the truth is, as I studied pure OCD and learned more about it is that In life, the average person has a hundred of bad thoughts a day. They could be driving down the highway and go, I want to like ram into this car because someone cut me off. Where when you have pure OCD, you're like, oh my God, I'm a bad person. I just thought I would ram my car into that person. I'm going to, what if I do it? What if I, and it just kind of like Mm
0: -hmm.
1: snowball effect. Um, So I guess it's learning to let those thoughts kind of pass through you, but it, it was, one of the biggest challenges I certainly ever had to go through and, and come out of on top. Mm -hmm. uh, And yeah, today, I mean, it depends. When stress arises, I have different things happen. Maybe it's anxiety, maybe it's the pure OCD. Um, but I've really learned how to deal with it and and kind of get Mm -hmm. past it. But certainly, I mean, there are days where it can defeat me. That's why I never say I'm healed because you're never really, we're always a working progress. Right?
0: Yeah. I'm, I'm trying to paint a picture. Of what this is like in my head, like how vivid are these these thoughts, these these impulses? Like, is it something that like, like almost to the level of like a hallucination, where like you literally see it happening, or is it just like kind of like just like a like it's just you a thought, but it just you, you can't get it out of your head, and like you start panicking because you can't get it out of your head. Like, I'm just trying to get the you don't
1: see it happening. You actually, your brain actually makes you believe you're going to do it. Or, or it's going to happen or even to yourself, right? Like, um, that person's going to do something to me. Like Mm -hmm. it really makes it become like a reality for you. And until I was able to like bring myself back, um, like I certainly joined um, help groups for pure OCD. I have a friend who actually has the same um, diagnosis, um, who I speak to, and we, we can now laugh at it and go, "Yeah, it's just our thoughts," you mm-hmm. know. Um, I was in a group therapy for pure OCD to get over it through in- talking and cognitive behavioral therapy. Um, but yeah, it, it was it was a really scary time, especially because like, as you said, right, I'm, I'm always so positive and so happy. And I'm like, how am I having these thoughts? What is yeah. happening to me? You know, so that was like, am I going, am I, am I losing my mind? Mm-hmm. Am I, you know, and, and even speaking like that, I don't even like to, to go there, you know,
0: cause. Yeah. That's it, difficult, especially, you know, the things that can come through your mind, right. Of all the scenarios, it's, yeah. Um, in your research, like, I, I don't know if you know the answer to this question, but, like, is there a certain percentage of the population that might, like, have that diagnosis at all? Um, like, is there anything in the literature about that? Um,
1: I don't know about a, a certain percentage, but I, all, I did find some really interesting things. I mean, it didn't happen to me that way, but mm-hmm. cer- certainly, like, trauma can make that come out. So we all have this type of OCD, apparently, um, and trauma could set it off. Um, I read that you can have a high, high fever as a child and then be diagnosed with pure OCD, that this fever creates some sort of chemical reaction in the body that creates this type of behavior that just doesn't end up going away. So there's like a whole bunch of different theories. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'm not 100% sure, but I will tell you that I really believe that we can really work on minimizing our symptoms and healing ourselves mm-hmm. through a lot of like self care.
0: So. Mm-hmm. Cause when you tell me about it, um, it, it sounds at least a little similar to, um, schizophrenia in a way. We're not necessarily the same, obviously not the same things, but just like the, the thought I have is, is how many people who have done, you know, whether it's, you know, take their own lives or take somebody else's lives or or do something horrific. like maybe had this as a had this undiagnosed or diagnosed like because again, like unless you have it, I don't know if you really hear about it in any form of talks or you know, even when you hear about mental health on the internet, it's always it's pretty much depression and anxiety. and then people are very afraid of schizophrenia and that's kind of like a, a blacklisted mental illness in a way. Just you know, I just wonder out loud that, like, I wonder how many people have it or have gone through it, and and these these things we hear about. You know what I mean? Like,
1: yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure. I know it, I know it does differ quite a bit from schizophrenia for sure, Um, especially because it's that obsessiveness, right? Mm -hmm. So there are other things that go along with it. So, okay, um, when you have these thoughts, um, you need reassurance. So you need to say the thought out loud so you immediately don't feel like a bad person. And you think I'm going to be okay? You think that th- that thought's not real? Do you think I'm going to be okay? <laughs> and then you almost need to wait for somebody to be like, right, okay. you're fine. You know, like you're going to be okay. Are you sure? Like it's looking for that reassurance or Google doctoring and needing to find the answers to know what's going on. And I guess what really sets it apart is like I said, you go into this debilitating state of anxiety gotcha. where you don't want to leave your house you don't want to move you don't want anyone to be around you you want to protect the world from you because your thoughts are awful and you, you look at yourself like a really awful person
0: right so it's um, not necessarily impulsing you to do the action exactly. it's more like it's like crippling you thinking that you would think of this action. exactly okay that's exactly gotcha it. trying that, to wrap my head yeah around it. that's
1: exactly what it is and so now i mean years later after going through that I can't even tell you the last time I really experienced a thought like that after I did the therapy and stuff like that, because I'm such a huge advocate for myself, I guess, and constantly looking at ways to better myself and how I can help and work on situations. Um, I feel like anytime I feel some sort of stress coming on, I know what to go into my toolbox for, because I have a lot of tools that have been placed in there now.
0: Mm -hmm. I find I'm, I'm a lot, I'm very similar to you where um what keeps me going is like self-improvement um you know like it's it's not about like thinking I'm perfect the way I am and and all that and if that works too that's great but for me I'm very much like you where I'm like okay how can I be better do I need to work out harder do I need to learn more do I need to you know just making myself a better person or to help other people or to help myself whatever it is like I feel like that's my biggest motivator when it comes to mental health is just trying to be like a really good person. What I'm wondering is I see a lot, at least um, everyone knows my opinions on the internet. Um, There's a lot of resistance to that, Um, that, that line of thinking where people don't see the relation of me trying to make myself a better person and, and doing all this really hard work because like the one, either the depression won't let me or, like, that's not needed. Uh, like, that's not that's not going to help me because I'm depressed. Like, wh- what would you say if someone's, like, coming up to you on that? Because I see it quite frequently, especially... Like, if someone at-
1: says, that won't help me?
0: Yeah, you know what I mean? Like, they're like, oh, nice of you to say, but, like, I can't do that. I can't get out of bed because I'm depressed. You know what I... And I've had this conversation with people because I know how difficult that it can be sometimes. But...
1: Well, I mean, again... So I always say my story is no more, no, no more significant than the next person's. Um, and I have heard that as well because I do coach some people. I, I certainly have a, some coaching going on and, and all that kind of stuff. And I have heard that. And it really is a mindset. So there is nothing you can't do, right? So I'm always finding myself talking that person up in those times of darkness and giving them tools. So it's kind of like, well, do a gratitude journal. Well, there's nothing I'm grateful for. Absolutely, there is. Well, I'm depressed. There's nothing I'm grateful for. Someone held the door open for me and that made me so happy. You know, like mm-hmm. someone uh, writes me a little message and that made my day. Um, there are so many little things having a warm bed, having your first breath in the morning. Um, it's trying to bring that back into someone's mind and, and vision that there's so much more than what they're feeling. Because it's true. When they're in it, they're really in it. It's like I said, right when I was going through the worst. I didn't even realize going through it. I was so deep in it. And if it wasn't for people who brought light to the situation for me, I don't know if I would have ever gotten out. And I've seen myself work with other people that I've mentored along the way. And they've really come on top where it was just the smallest little things. And I'd say, hey, check in with me because you need that accountability. You need an accountability partner Mm. to help you get out of bed sometimes. Ultimately, it's on you. No, I'm not going to take your hand and pull you out of bed. It is up to you. But I promise you, if you do it, there's so much more waiting.
0: Yeah. Do you get do you get resistance to it or, you know, people thinking that that's silly, that it's dumb, it's not going to work? Like, you know what I mean? Like that type of thinking that you have. I mean, there is science to back this, uh, but there just there seems to be a lot of resistance towards it, especially with an older generation who doesn't necessarily...
1: Yeah, absolutely. Understand it. Um, Does it bother
0: you at all? Like, does does it get to you?
1: I'll tell you, it doesn't get to me. And the reason it doesn't get to me is because I've seen it work. I wouldn't be such an advocate for it if I haven't seen... (laughs) what it's manifested in my life. Mm -hmm. And certainly on my Instagram and my social media, I'm always talking very fluffy. But I also say like, it doesn't always have to be so flipping poetic, right? Like it is hard. There are tears. It is crappy. You know, some days you're barely able to pick yourself up. So yeah, on those days, I say just like, Sometimes I'll go out into the forest and I'll just start, like, scream, let it out, you know? There are other ways, you know, whether it's through working out. So um, my approach isn't always so fluffy, Mm -hmm. right? Um, It depends on the individual. Uh, Mental health is individual for each person. Mm -hmm. Um, But like I said, for me, I wouldn't be such an advocate for it if I didn't see it come to life. And that is why I'm so positive.
0: What are some of the types of things you do now? So we've established, you know, you're speaking, you've you've been to therapy, uh, you, uh, cognitive behavioral therapy, all that stuff. What are some of I like to call it maintenance things that you do now to to help either combat those those feelings and just that like, keep you along that path?
1: I will tell you, this is so funny. So just yesterday, I had a conversation with one of my good friends where someone goes. Someone once said, you know, this can make you look like high maintenance the way you talk all the time and stuff. My friend was like, yeah, but you do your own maintenance. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like we are high maintenance, but we do our own maintenance. And what I mean by that is self-love. So. I work out. I make it a point to work out. Mm-hmm. Um, getting my body moving. I go for a run. If I can run outside, I will run outside before I run inside to connect to nature because that is scientifically proven that the way it will make you feel. I try and meditate every day, even if it's 10 minutes. And for those who don't like the word meditation, because that can go back to like spirituality, Just sitting in silence and breathing, you know, it doesn't have to be mantras, but I certainly do mantras. I do affirmations. I read, I watch podcasts. I listen to podcasts that inspire me. Um, I do writing. I have a gratitude journal where I write 10 things I'm grateful for each day. Um, Yeah. There's just been little things that I add to my toolbox every day. I'm excited to wake up every day because every day Mm. I'm like, okay, I'm working towards like Goals here, and I know that the more I work on myself and do those like maintenances, you know, I even go for massages. I go for like cranial massages to remove stress from your brain. Cranial massages. Oh my god! You know, I'm not trying to like drop any names here, but Teresa from Sage Wellness, (laughs) amazing. Okay. Um, I see naturopathic doctors Mm -hmm. to help with other things. I I really just I just try and listen to my body. Our bodies are very intuitive and. I used to be, I still am, a very busy body, um, but I have learned to take the time for myself because if I don't, I never will, and that's how you fall down that rabbit hole.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's like the closing of my speech that I like to have all these things I like to do because I'm afraid if I like I take a day off, that I won't want to get back up because I'll fall down that little rabbit hole and right like get off track and go down this this place i don't want to be in and which sometimes is unavoidable but
1: yeah and i mean for me it's really become lifestyle too like this is a part of who i am and not not who i am as in because i mean i can get into that on a whole other subject but not who i am as in like the story and the things i do but this is just a part of my everyday life now I, I enjoy meditating. I enjoy waking up at a certain time for a personal time by myself. Um, I enjoy eating healthy, um, making sure that I'm nourishing my body because I've seen the effects of not nourishing. And certainly do I fall off the wagon sometimes and, and things don't always go the way I wanted them to, or I didn't eat as well as I should have. Yes. But I also forgive myself and move on and, and conquer it the next day.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, meditation talked about this a lot a lot on um this podcast and and with people how long do you often like do it for like if if all things being equal it was a good day how long would you meditate for are you ready for this yeah an hour okay i've heard that before too um take me take us through what it's like because I've tried it and it's it's very difficult to get started on it, but there are so many people who swear by this and it doesn't even have to be a spiritual connection type thing. Some people are like it's just like it's just good training for your brain. Like again, that's scientifically proven, whether you believe in the spiritual nature of it or not. How do you start it? What do you do? You know, if someone's like, I hear like me, I hear about it all the time. I want to start it, but it's really hard. I, I can barely sit there for 30 seconds and, and do it. Like coach, coach me through it a little bit right now.
1: Well, why don't you tell me first, what's the type of meditation you've tried?
0: Meditation. <laughs> That's it. Right? I don't even know. There's different kinds.
1: So, I mean... I can meditate almost anywhere now and once you've gotten to that level I mean certainly if I want to go deep it looks different but you can do walking meditations.
0: So I've sat there so I would sit mostly in a dark room close my eyes and just focus on my breathing and let my mind go but then like bring it back like that's that that's the only thing I've I don't even know so what anyone kind of meditation that is. starting
1: with meditation that's struggling, I always say to throw in an affirmation there or anything like release, the word release, right? Especially because we all need to release. I don't care who you are. You've carried stress from your day, whatever. So you could just sit there, and as you're breathing, you just keep repeating release, release. And that kind of takes you back. So when your mind goes somewhere else, you bring it back to that. But, I mean, we are, by nature, attracted by five senses you know like what we see what we hear what we touch what we smell so uh, there are times where I have my pillow and I put my incense on and I have my salt lamp going and like I create that environment especially if I need that um just to like feel like I'm rejuvenating myself in some way restoring um I've Done walking meditations, like I said, where I'm outside and I'm just breathing in and following my breath and actually bringing all awareness to what I'm doing because we walk, but we see the trees and we see that person and we see the car and or whatever. When you're in nature, like lucky for me, I get to see deer. Mm-hmm. um But to actually bring full awareness to your body, it's like, oh, I'm taking a step. Um, I'm breathing in, like fully feeling your feet and your toes touching the ground. Um, There are other times where I'm running and I'm saying, I'm healthy, I'm fine, and I'm well. That is a form of meditation, believe it or not. Um, Sitting in traffic, you're in a traffic jam and you're annoyed. Why don't you take the time just to breathe through that and follow your breath? That's a form of meditation. So people like to complicate meditation. It doesn't have to be that complicated to start because any form of breathing, no matter where you are, bringing that consciousness and awareness to it is everything. I have a timer on my phone for each hour to remind me to breathe. So cause I know I'm busy, I'm always on the go. Oh yeah. Okay. I'm gonna take three breaths right now. But when I'm going into deep meditation, yes, I will sit in silence. I used to listen to music. That used to help set the mood. And then one of my mentors were like, Sabrina, you need to practice complete stillness. And that was a bit of a challenge because I was like, I meditate all the time. What's going on? Mm-hmm. But when you're in complete silence, that's different because your your mind immediately as humans, it's nature, right? We want to connect to something. We want to find something. We want to think about something. Um, but I would just start focusing on my breath. Or if I'm working on wanting to heal something or release something, I focus on that. Um, there are so many different ways. But so, I'm happy to walk you through different ways. Yeah. That,
0: is a, so is a mantra like kind of saying like the word release? It's that thing that brings you back? Is, exactly, that what a mantra is? yeah. What does it like so you're sitting there for an hour like does it have some sort of again i when i when i think of deeper meaning or anything i always think of like a vivid hallucination like i'm not talking like a drug trip i'm just talking about like you you just vividly see a different reality like what is it like what are some of the types of things that you experience or is it literally you're just focusing on your breath for an hour is there anything more to that less than that so on a
1: really good meditation I mean, it's not like a hallucination, but some would say it is, right? Um, You go really deep. So certainly you, you let go of your ego, essentially. And I'm not talking about ego like, oh, that person's so egotistic. I'm saying our ego of everyday life, the drive we have, who we think we are, what we do, all of that is gone and nothing matters. You are in complete content, complete love, complete happiness. You don't even realize you're fully meditating anymore because you let go. And you are filled with so much love. And that is like the best feeling in the whole world because nothing can get to you. It's like a full release. It's 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 amazing. It's hmm. healing.
0: Hmm. Yeah. Like I said, not only I've heard scientists, I've heard celebrities, I've heard people like... I mean, you, you know, can you know?
1: see colors as well. Like there's many different levels of meditation.
0: Okay. Right? Yeah. Because everyone thinks... Well, not everyone. I I used to think it's like you have to be like a Buddhist monk, like right, like you have to go and um, yeah, type yeah. thing. But you know, I just as more the more I've went into this this mental health journey and just speaking with people and listening to people and and just hearing everybody who does it just rave, like just say it helps so much. I'm just like I just you know get to that the how how does it help? I I don't. I don't see, I, I, it's hard to understand unless you do it, I guess.
1: Yeah, and I mean, also people put a lot of pressure on it because I've also heard of yeah. people going, I want it so bad and then they it doesn't happen or I fell asleep. Well, also falling asleep during meditation is not a bad thing. People look at it like it's a bad thing, but your body is literally doing exactly what it needs to do at that time and allowing your body to be present and do what it needs to do. Why is that bad? Hmm. You know? Yeah. And adjusting the times, so the best time to meditate is first thing in the morning. Because your brain is at this different level, like there's these transmitters in your brain, and that's all scientific. I can go on about that yeah. as
0: well. So. Well, I've I've looked at the science. I've seen videos and I've seen TED talks and people like talk about this and people doing brain scans versus like someone who's meditating. Yeah. yeah, and like just seeing the activity. Like it's it, like I said, it's it's not. Um, Like some of my other podcast guests who's come on, they say woo woo, like where people are like, it's like hippie, it's, it's wise, it doesn't work. Like there's clearly something going on and whatever that is, like. I guess that's up to the individual and what they experience, but...
1: Yeah, and I've really learned to not push my belief system on people. Mm -hmm. If they're interested and they're intrigued, like you asked me. Yeah. I was like, okay, I'm ready to share and it's exciting. And there's like this huge energy share, but I also don't push it on anyone because, like I said, I'm really looking to build a community and I've seen my journey and I've lived it. And where I am today. And I don't want to just say, like, oh, you have to be spiritual or you have to be a certain way or you have to be connected in order to heal because that's not true either, right?
0: Mm-hmm. Well, you did say you're a true speaker. Yes. <laughs> Oh, uh, like, what is that like for you? Like, w- what's that mindset for?
1: Yeah. So I just want to create more truth speakers. And what I mean by it is like, I just told like whoever, you know, all your mm-hmm. followers that I had these crazy thoughts. And I mean, my story is so much deeper and I'm not going to take up all the time because there's so many things that have happened in my life as everyone, mm-hmm. but I'm not afraid to say what goes on. I am an open book. And if people don't like it, they don't have to be around me. You know, I think the best part about healing is owning your truth and taking 100% responsibility Responsibility for where you are in your life and and that is thanks to again a, a mentor in my life I feel I believe every good mentor has a great mentor mm-hmm. And so being a truth speaker and saying how it is and if my story can impact someone else and their story can impact someone else the more truth we speak The better the world is going to be
0: I think a lot of people would also Say that mindset is uh, I guess not necessarily a good thing either Um what I mean by that is taking 100 percent responsibility and, and owning yourself and your actions. And, you know, a lot of people want to put blame on on whether it's government institutions or other people or their employers or whatever. Right, but we
1: get to choose how we react to that. We get to choose how we feel about that. No, sometimes we can't change circumstance. That is very true. Mm hmm. But we could take one hundred percent responsibility for ourselves and how we react to something and how we allow it to affect us and impact us. Oh well, I couldn't, I couldn't help it. They fired me or whatever. That that how was I supposed to take 100 percent responsibility for that? Well, are you letting it keep you in bed all day, or are you searching for another job? You know, like there are so many ways to look at things.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, do you ever worry about being like? Like offending people, be like being offensive. Like I'm not saying you're going on like a big racist tirade or anything, but like, do you worry about that when you when you're saying you speaking speaking your truth, speaking the truth or what you choose to believe is the truth? Does does that worry you? Because it is a world where we're very highly sensitized on certain topics and subjects, especially when it comes to mental health.
1: I will offend people. (laughs) That's the reality. I think everyone offends everybody and in today's world, people look for reasons to be offended. Um, I'm not perfect. I may not say things um, as nicely as people would like. I may not have a belief system that people believe in. And I'm also okay with that because Mm -hmm. I feel like I'm in this place in in my life that I'm just moving towards my truth and whoever I can help along the way, <laughs> that's my purpose, you know? Um, so the way I offend people, I mean, I hope I don't, mm-hmm. but I also know it will happen. That's the reality.
0: Yeah. I uh, i recently started going to therapy again um, and it was over this anxiety that everything that I did and do and who I am, like, is going to inevitably like inevitably get me in trouble somehow uh based on like this this kind of culture we have like i was just consumed with the thought that my life would spiral down because someone would either say something about me or or believe something to be true about me that might be false accuse me of something like it overwhelmed me to the point where like I had a like a mental breakdown and I had to like re-enroll in therapy for the first time in six years like it was like you were saying some of these things were debilitating like that was debilitating for me like I was I'm so worried I'm getting better now I'm learning I'm doing cognitive behavioral therapy but like that took over my life for like a good five six months
1: yeah and I mean sometimes it's it's trying to write down even the amazing things that you do do to, like, look for the opposing effect on mm-hmm. how those thoughts wouldn't be true, right? Yeah. And I know it's easier said than done, but, I mean, I used to carry around in my purse, like, all the things that I'm proud of about myself because I couldn't remember it. So, anytime I'd have a bad day, I'd pull it out. So, like, why are all the reasons why, like, what are the reasons, sorry, um, that people love me or people aren't gonna sabotage my life or Mm -hmm. or whatever right and writing those down to remind yourself when those thoughts come in you can be like nope that's not true
0: yeah that's the thing i'm work working through right because we have you know i like to think i do a lot of good um and i i try to help people best i can but it i mean i don't know if you're on twitter or anything i've talked about this a whole bunch but we live in this kind of cancel culture era this you know, if someone does something that they don't like, like people go to like try to take them down for everything. Um, or, you know, they make a mistake and people like come after them and, and email their employer or, you know, like what you've done doesn't really matter. It's what you, what or not even, it doesn't have to be true. It's what people perceive as what they think is true. And that's that's what I'm, I'm really working through right now is just, it's it's not even easy as me like i just it was it's such an overwhelming worry of mine and i probably should get off the internet to be honest but <laughs>
1: no it it really is true you know people create stories right in their own minds
0: that's what they said i'm a i'm a mind reader yeah. that's what they that i create these narratives in my head and then kind of become obsessive about them and i didn't really recognize about that self until it was pointed out to me i was like oh i do do that
1: damn but now you're working on it
0: working on it. Yeah, it's the first and it's part a working
1: it. progress and now you're gonna have more tools in your toolbox
0: Yeah, the biggest thing was once I started speaking to all these people like before that I thought I I had myself relatively together Obviously, there's things that I knew I had to work on But I was like once I started speaking in front of people and just really took like a very critical look at myself I was like, I don't got I don't have my shit together even though I, I'm doing a lot better than I, I was I'm doing I'm still doing pretty well but I was like oh there's some there's some issues there that I need to address for sure um and I think that just goes to that evolving story like it 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 doesn't really stop
1: exactly it's
0: not like I'm just I'm healed here I am now everybody and look how great I am now it's it's like nope like here I am but also like hey I'm still doing all this and stuff. again
1: this is exactly what I mean by being a truth speaker because you're opening up and saying like yeah I'm still going through stuff like this is reality we are always going to be going through stuff mm-hmm. we are humans there's always going to be something that knocks us down and we just have to pick ourselves mm-hmm. back up and move forward because like I said there's always something better hmm
0: so you know you're on my podcast now you're sharing your story we're talking and talked about all the things you're doing like what do you want this to be do you have like a, a grand hope like you've mentioned a couple times that this is your you feel this is your purpose um is it just you know helping people is it is it something bigger like what what do you want to what do you want to do like what do you want to do when you grow up well
1: (laughs) and it's so funny because i never thought that this was going to to be my my purpose and my passion and um i mean two things like I I love to to speak out about it because I have a very successful um, career and and I'm very proud of my my job. And I have my hands in a lot of different pots and I love my my job. And I want to say that um, it doesn't matter what you're going through. You can still be successful. It doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter who who you are, where you are. um, You can always rise. And I want that to be very apparent because I've met a lot of youth who don't feel that way, that they have an upbringing, that they feel they're going to be a certain way because of it or they're going through this, so they'll never amount to this. So speaking out to the youth is huge for me, um, especially because I feel like at that age, it is a very important time in your life Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. to be able to recognize and be aware. Um, So I do have big plans. Um, I am hoping to do some mental health symposiums. I am an event planner by trade. Um, So some big events that I'm planning behind the scenes and working on, which is a huge dream of mine that I hope will reach a larger network. Um, I do hope to write a book someday. So that's all in the works. And then, um, yeah, just coaching with individuals and building that community. So the big plan is is in the works, and mm-hmm. just meeting people and networking to make it all happen.
0: So if people are interested in either one connecting with you for coaching or exploring, you know, more of your, your beliefs and this, this positivity, positivity that you've been, you know, radiating, like you can hear it through your voice. Like, how can people find you get in touch, uh, and discover some of the stuff you're working yeah,
1: on? Yeah. So I have a Facebook page as uh, Sabrina C. LeMay. So just my name. And then on my Instagram, it's mindbodysoul.work. and um, because that's what it is. It's our mind, our bodies and our souls and all that work that kind of goes into it. Um, and I say work, but it's really a lot of play too, because, you know, when we make it work, it doesn't feel mm-hmm. so fun. It gets a little bit harder, you know, something so, you have to do instead yeah, of you want to uh, do. It's like breaking the rules. That's, that's another part of it, right? Break the rules. Um, my approach to healing is a little bit different. Like I, I definitely find therapy is important. I certainly have a tune up that I'll do every like six months or whatever, just to release. And I think therapy, I mean, there was a time where if, if you said you were going to see your therapist, people would like, mm-hmm be shameful right mm-hmm. um but I think it's so important but I also think that breaking the rules of therapy and stepping past your boundaries like if you're ready to really get in there and dig deep there's a whole other world out there
0: and that's what you're talking about you're sharing exactly. you're, you're getting into. like any plans on like uh, I know you've said you had all these things but like a podcast um, YouTube like any of these kind of more content, Pieces to get it out there or just right now. It's just Instagram and we'll we'll see where we go.
1: Yeah, I mean right now. It's Instagram um, I have been asked by a couple of people to start a YouTube. So it's something I've been thinking mm-hmm. about In truth, it's finding the time. Yeah <laughs> Because I need to make sure I have that self-love constantly, yeah. um, but this is my passion and my drive and I see it evolving and um, just continuing to evolve. So we'll see yeah. where it goes. All
0: right. So we'll stay tuned for sure. Uh, again, Instagram one more time, mind, body, soul, dot work, dot work. So all one word dot yeah. work. Perfect. Uh, Sabrina, thank you com- for coming on, sharing no, your amazing. story, your message. Um, I look forward to, I mean, we've, we've been talking for a while about working together on certain things. So Seeing where that goes and... Um,
1: Absolutely. People are going to just see something happen.
0: Yeah, hopefully. Anyways, thanks for coming on. Bye, everybody.
1: You take the red pill. You stay in Wonderland. And I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes.